Good morning, Parkway Church. How are you guys doing today? Good. So glad you are here with us, whether you're gathered at Parkway Victoria, Parkway Port Lavaca, Parkway Lone Tree, or Parkway Online. We are so, so, so excited that you're going to be a part of what we're learning today. My name is Mike. I'm the senior pastor. It's my privilege each and every week to open the Bible and to simply say, what's God's word teach us? And how can we live our lives in such a way that we are depending upon him and obedient to him and following him with all of our lives? Our plan for teaching this year is very simple. We're opening our Bibles book by book, chunk by chunk, chapter by chapter in the Bible. We started the book of Genesis because that's the very first book. And today, as, as you know, we're going to be in the book of Judges. And what we're seeing is the, the way God is dealing with his people. And last week we were in, in Joshua, and the week before we were in Joshua, and what we saw in the book of Joshua was God leading his people into the promised land. And they would conquer the promised land, and they would inhabit the promised land. Remember, he told Joshua, be strong and courageous. And we learned about God's power and God's strength coming from him and not from us. And then last week we learned about dealing with sin in the camp and with the sin of Achan and how it affected everyone. And so now we step into the book of Judges. And in the book of Judges, what we see is, is how the people of God were living in the promised land. So they inhabited it and conquered it in Joshua, and now they're living in it in the book of Judges. And what we see in the book of Judges is a cycle that I think you may be able to relate to, at least I can. What we see in the book of Judges is there are cycles of obedience to God where they're on a mountaintop with him. And then there are seasons of great disobedience and lack of faith, and so they're down in the valley. And then they'll be obedient, and then a valley, and obedient, and a valley. And in each time that they would be obedient or disobedient, God would change their leadership. And the judges were the leaders of their day. And so today we're going to learn about one of the most famous judges. His name is Samson. So if you brought your Bible, you can open up to Judges chapter 13. And in Judges chapter 13, we're going to get ready to hear the story of Samson. And as we learn from Samson today... What I hope that you and I can both pick up is that this was a man of great strength who had a significant weakness. This is a man of great strength who had a weakness, and his weakness was simply this. He had a failure to learn from the past. At any given point, Samson could have changed the story, the trajectory of his life, if he had simply learned from his past. And in today's day and age, in the world we live in, it's essential, if we're going to live our lives to honor God, it's essential that we learn from our past, both the good things we've done in the past and the not-so-good things we've done in the past. We must learn from our past better than Samson did. And so we're going to dig into his story today in the book of Judges. So if you brought your Bible again, we're going to be in Judges chapter 13, verse 1. Here's where the story of Samson begins. Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, so they were in one of these valley points. So the Lord delivered them into the hands of the Philistines for 40 years. So God handed them over to the Philistines. Uh, they were foreigners, but they would now be in control of the land and they'd be in control of God's people. And, and so the story continues. A certain man of Zorah named Manoah from the clan of the Danites had a wife who was childless. And so we get some details here. A man of Zorah, where is he from? Zorah. Uh, named, what's his name? Manoah. What's his clan? Who's his family? The Danites. And he had a wife who was childless. Now, why would they include this level of detail? Well, they include this level of detail in Scripture because the story we're about to read about Samson is a story of history. It's not a story of mythology. I mean, some of the things that Samson does, you're going to be like, 
he sounds like a Greek superhero. Well, no, he's not a Greek superhero. He's from Zora. His dad's name is Manoa, and his mom couldn't have a kid until Samson was born. So verse 3, the angel of the Lord appeared to her and said, you are barren and childless, but you're going to become pregnant and give birth to a son. Now see to it that you drink no wine or other fermented drink and that you do not eat anything unclean. You will become pregnant and have a son whose head is never to be touched by a razor because the boy is to be a Nazarite dedicated to God from the womb. He will take the lead in delivering Israel from the hands of the Philistines. And so God has a plan for delivering his people. And it's one of the themes we've seen throughout scripture so far. And we'll see it as we continue to study all the way through the end of the book of Revelation. Is that even when we're not faithful, God is faithful. And so even as the people of Israel were handed over to the Philistines, God is giving them a leader, one who is going to lead them to freedom and free them from the captivity and the oppression that they're under, under the Philistines. And this guy's name is Samson. And Samson is going to be dedicated to the Lord even before he's born. His mom isn't to eat anything unclean or drink any fermented drink. And he's not to cut his hair because that's a, a commitment he's made to the Lord. And we'll learn why in a minute. I laughed when I read about Samson's mom not being able to drink any wine or fermented drink or not eat anything unclean because, you know, this week, Barbara Bush passed away. And as they were telling stories of Barbara Bush and her sense of humor, uh, former President George W. Bush, her son, was in the hospital with her in her last days. And they were taking jabs at each other and poking at each other as mom and son would do. And the doctor walked in and, and, and saw them laughing and and. and Barbara looked at the doctor and said, hey, uh, you want to know why George turned out like he did? And so the doctor kind of sheepishly said, yeah, well, why did he turn out like he did? And Barbara looked at her and said, because I smoked and drank when he was in my belly. <laughs> well, Samson wouldn't have that problem. From the very beginning, Samson wouldn't be like George W. Bush. And so from the very beginning, he was set apart, set aside for God's purpose. And we learn how he came to be born. Verse 24 and 25. The woman gave birth to a boy and named him Samson. He grew and the Lord blessed him. And the spirit of the Lord began to stir him while he was in Manea, Dan, between Zorah and Eshtal. So the spirit of God began to stir in him, in this boy that was born to be Israel's deliverer. Now, I want to just take a moment to unpack something here. because It says the Spirit of God began to stir in him. And I want you to know that the Spirit of God in the Old Testament would come upon people and stir them. And then the Spirit of God in the New Testament lives inside of believers. It's radically different. It's the same God working, but he works in a different way because he always lives with us. And when we see stories in the Old Testament about the Spirit of God coming upon someone and them having great strength or abilities, I want you to know that the Spirit of God lives in you and gives you strength and gives you abilities and gives you grace and even prays for you when you don't know what to pray. The Spirit of God lives in you. It's kind of like this. Let's see if we can make it really practical. Remember back in the day when you had to log on to the Internet? Anybody here remember AOL? America Online, they'd send you that disc in the mail, and then you'd use that disc in the mail, and then they, you would log on and, 
you know, I don't know what that is, but the internet noise, like your modem noise. Oh, wee, wee, wee. Your modem is broken. <laughs> but it would make this noise, and, and then it would take about 28 minutes for AOL to update. It was horrible, right? And, and you tell your kids today that you used to have to log on to the internet, and they're like, log on to the internet? Isn't the internet everywhere? Log on to the internet? Well, in the Old Testament, here's the analogy. It's like the Holy Spirit logged on to our lives. But now that we live in the New Testament world where Jesus has died for our sins and those that believe in him have the Spirit residing in them, it's like Wi-Fi everywhere. We're always connected to God. And so as we hear the story of Samson today, I want you to know that you're always connected to the God who can help you learn from your past. You don't have to log on in a moment of crisis and say, God, help me. He's with you even right now. You don't have to log on in a moment where you've blown it again and say, God, I'm here because he's here with you as it is. You don't have to learn from your past and say, God, thank you for teaching me that lesson. I logged on. Now I log off from you because you are with him always. So Samson, let's get back to him. But you really can show off theologically with your kids and your grandkids and those millennials, right? Because you can go and, you know, in the Old Testament, it was kind of like AOL and dial-up. But now it's like Wi-Fi. It's like a Holy Spirit hotspot. <laughs> I dare you to use it. You're going to use that. And you're going to go, oh, he got me. He got me. So Samson, what we're going to see in him is a failure to learn from his past. Each one of us have things that make us who we are, some good and some bad. We, make th we have things that make us how, how, how we live and how we respond and how we act, who we are personality-wise. What we're going to see in Samson is that he was a man who had issues with his own hubris. Like, he thought he was badder than bad. He had issues with women. He's going to repeat this pattern of inappropriate relationships with women over and over and over again. And then, then he had issues of being manipulated. I mean, he wasn't the sharpest knife in the drawer, y'all. And he was manipulated and tricked, and it, it cost him everything. So as we look at his life, I want to tell you three stories before we dig into his most famous story with Delilah, because it shows us who he is. There was a day when he was walking down a path with his parents to go meet a girl. Samson had girl issues everywhere he went. And as he was going to meet this girl, a lion jumped uh, like from the bushes. And Samson killed that lion, like essentially disemboweled the lion and threw it off the side of the path and went to meet this girl. Didn't tell mom and dad, hey, I just killed a lion. He went and met this girl and he liked her. And so as he was coming back to marry her, he looked at that same lion carcass and there was a, like there was a hive of bees in it. And there was honey. And so Samson goes in there and harvests the honey from the carcass of the lion he killed months before. And he gives some to himself. He gives some to his parents. He gives some to the girl that he's going to marry. I'm like, dude. Like, when I dated Christy, I showered and shaved. That was false advertising. And, but, but I never killed a lion and then harvested honey from its carcass. But this is the guy, Samson, strength and romance and women and so the next story involves this same lady. 
the Philistines handed her over to one of his friends to be his friend's wife instead of Samson's. And Samson got so angry over this. Another one of the issues that we see in Samson's life over and over and over again is this issue of uncontrolled anger. And even in a situation like this where it's justifiable, it's a sign of an anger issue in him. And so what did he do to pay back the Philistines? Now, this is where I have to remind you that this is a true story in the Bible, not a a mythical story of Greek legend. Because what he did, he went and got 300 foxes. He tied them together, so now you've got 150 pair of foxes. He put a torch in that tie on each of their tails and then lit those torches on fire and released the foxes. And the foxes go and run into the Philistines' crop fields and storehouses and burn everything up. Remember last week when we said that when we're dealing with sin in the camp, we got to watch out for the little foxes that spoil the vineyard? Well, Samson released 300 foxes on fire to, to, to destroy the Philistines' crops and what they had confidence in, their livelihood. So this was an act of anger, an act of hubris. One man can take on all of the Philistines. And so the Philistines got very angry with him. And they went to the Israelites and said, okay, if you hand us Samson, we won't kill you. We'll just take him. So they went to Samson and said, preserve the people. May you just go with them. And Samson said, sure. And they said, how can we subdue you? How can we make sure that you're not going to like kill everybody? He said, well, tie me with fresh ropes and, and, and then I'll go and I can't be overtaken and all of that. And so as they were walking Samson to the Philistines, he was tied up. He rips those ropes right off. And then the Bible says that he grabs a jawbone, and and you can check it in your translation. It says a fresh jawbone of a donkey. How fresh a jawbone of a donkey? I mean, did did Samson have a donkey he was riding and just take the jawbone? Was it fresh, fresh? I mean, was it laying there for weeks? I don't know. But I find that fresh jawbone. And so he takes that fresh jawbone, and he uses that jawbone to kill a 1,000 people. And then, it, then in this sign of hubris and sign of arrogance, listen to, listen to the, the rap he laid down. Then Samson said, with a donkey's jawbone, I've made donkeys of them. With a donkey's jawbone, I have killed a thousand men. I, I almost turned into a rapper right there. <laughs> with the donkey's jawbone, I made the donkeys. Of, anyway, I'm not going to do it. Not going to happen. See, there's some things you should learn before you do it. That's one of them. So Samson had this great victory. And then following the victory, he was very impulsive. We can read about it in Judges chapter 15. He was very thirsty. Listen to what the Bible says, 15, 18 through 20. Because he was very thirsty, he cried out to the Lord, you've given your servant this great victory. Must I now die of thirst and fall into the hands of the uncircumcised? Then God opened the hollow place in Lehi, and water came out of it. When Samson sh- drank, his strength returned, and he revived. So the spring was called En Hakor, and it is still there in Lehi. And then the Bible says Samson led Israel for 20 years in the days of the Philistines. So after this great victory, you would have thought he would have been on a spiritual high that would have carried him more than 4.5 minutes. He had this great victory, but then here he is impulsive, crying before the Lord. Would he ever learn from his mistakes? 
Would he ever learn to deal with his wish issues with women? Would he ever learn to deal with his impulsive nature who's easily manipulated? Would he ever learn to deal with his anger and this confidence that nothing could stop him? Would he ever learn? Well, the answer to that question comes as we look at his relationship with Delilah. So let's jump into that together. So we're now going to be in Judges chapter 15. In Judges chapter 15, we see the story of Samson and, and, and actually Judges chapter 16. As we see the story of Samson and Delilah. Here it is. It's a great love story, especially if you like love stories that are creepy and have bad endings. It's a great love story. Great love story. Sometime later, he fell in love with a woman in the valley of Sorek whose name was Delilah. And the rulers of the Philistines went to her and said, see if you can lure him into showing you the secret of his great strength and how you can overpower him so that we may tie him up and subdue him. Each one of us will give you 1,100 shekels of silver. So Samson had been the leader of God's people for 40 years and the Philistines had been trying to get him all that time. Now they finally had a way in. Would they get in through his anger? No. Would they get in through his hubris? No. They would get in through a woman, and her name is Delilah. And as we look at Samson and Delilah, she is going to leverage his inability to learn from his past. Judges 16, 6 through 9. So Delilah said to Samson, tell me the secret of your great strength and how you can be tied up and subdued. So she asked him this question, how can I defeat you? How can your strength be taken away? The strongest of strong men, how can your strength be taken away? Now, why in the world would she be asking him that question? Nothing good can come of this answer. And yet he answers her. Samson answered, if anyone ties me up with seven fresh bowstrings that have not been dried, I will become as weak as any other man. Keep reading. The plan is in place. Then the rulers of the Philistines brought her seven fresh bowstrings that had not been dried, and she tied him with them. With men hidden in the room, she called to him, Samson, the Philistines are on you. But he snapped the bowstrings as easily as a piece of string snaps when it comes close to a flame. So the secret of his strength was not discovered. So the first attempt to take away his strength failed miserably. She tied him up with bowstrings, and he popped those bowstrings like a piece of thread or yarn over a candle. Couldn't hold him at all. So phase two began. Then Delilah said to Samson, you have made a fool of me. You lied to me. Come now and tell me how you can be tied. Let's just stop right there. Notice what she's doing here. She's using a common manipulation trick. She wants to harm him, but she makes the issue about herself. You lied to me. Never did Samson look and say, but you tried to kill me. <laughs> you lied to me. You tried to tie me up and hand me to the Philistines. You lied to me. By the way, if you're ever dealing, like if you're in a dating relationship right now, and you look and say, you know what? I think my girlfriend's a lot like Delilah. Run! <laughs> and if your boyfriend is manipulating and twisting and blaming you for his failure, run faster. Run, run, run. 
Verse 11. He gave her another answer. If anyone ties me securely with new robes that have never been used, I will become as weak as any other man. So Delilah took, took new robes and tied him with them. Then with men hidden in the room, she called out, Samson, the Philistines are on you. And he snapped the ropes off his arms as if they were threads. So she ties him down. Philistines, Philistines, he says, what? Pops up like threads had been tying him down. Phase two failed. So she goes to phase three. Delilah then said to Samson, all this time you've been making a fool of me and lying to me. Tell me how you can be tied. She's not giving up. Why? Because she's going to get 1,100 shekels from each of the Philistine leaders if she can hand this man over to them. So he replied, if you weave the seven braids of my head, remember he hasn't ever cut his hair, so apparently he's braided his hair, and he gives her this ludicrous story. If you weave the seven braids of my hair into the fabric of a loom and tighten it with the pen, I'll become as weak as any other man. So while he was sleeping, Delilah took the seven braids of his head, wove them into the fabric, and tightened it with a pen. You ever read the Bible and see a cartoon pop up? That's what I see here. He's, she pulls the braids, gets the loom, begins to weave his hair into fabric in a loom. I don't know how a loom works, but I'm just going to pretend it works like this, right? The ceiling fan can't turn off in my room without me waking up. And yet here she's weaving his hair into a loom, into the fabric. And then she says, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He awoke from his sleep. And here's how the cartoon world continues. He awoke from his sleep, did this, and his long hair threw the loom and unpinned it, and he was freed. Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He awoke from his sleep, pulled up the pen and the loom with the fabric. And then she comes to him one more time. Phase four. Judges chapter 16, 15 through 19. Then she said to him, how can you say I love you when you won't confide in me? Now again, again, has she been acting in love towards him? No, no. She's trying to get cash. She's trying to get control. And yet now she says, how could you not love me? Now at this point, Samson should have looked and said, hey, babe, I'm done. Why didn't he? Because he thought he was stronger and because he had issues with the ladies. And so she says, how can you say I love you when you won't confide in me? This is the third time you've made a fool of me and haven't told me the secret of your great strength. With such nagging, she prodded him day after day until he was sick to death of it. So she kept going at him day after day. I love you. Tell me how you can be made weak. I love you. Tell me how I can subdue you. I love you. Tell me how I can become filthy rich. I love you, love you, love you. She kept prodding him, which we can look and say, hey, she was nagging. Or we can also look and admit he had time to learn from his past. He had time to make things right and to not be manipulated. And by the way, before you look and say it's only women that nag, I know some men that nag, 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 manipulate, 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 and it's wrong whether a man does it or a woman does it. But Samson, he didn't learn. 
So he told her everything. No razor has ever been used on my head, he said, because I've been a Nazarite dedicated to God from my mother's womb. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me, and I would become as weak as any other man. And apparently there was a look in his eyes, a certainty in his voice, where she believed him. When Delilah saw that he had told her everything, she went to the, and told, gave word to the rulers of the Philistines. Come back once more. He's told me everything. So the rulers of the Philistines with silver in their hands. So the rulers of the Philistines returned with silver in their hands. After putting her to, him to sleep on her lap, she called for someone to shave off the seven braids of his hair and so began to subdue him. His strength left him. This man, with so many strengths, was taken out because he failed to learn how to overcome his weaknesses. She put his head in his lap and rubbed those seven braids until he went to sleep. I think he purred a little bit before he went to sleep. I'm not even going to try and purr because that would even be more awkward than AOL dial-up. <laughs> but he went to sleep and she went to work. And they shaved his head, and sure enough, his strength left him. Eventually, his hair would grow back, and this Samson, with his eyes gouged, would push columns and bring down a building that would destroy the Philistines and destroy and kill himself. He would be the deliverer, but not as you and I would have guessed, because he failed to learn from his past. As you think about learning from your past, and as I think about learning from mine, I've got three fill-in-the-blanks for you today. Because just like Samson, you and I have got things to learn from our past. Just like Samson, if we fail to learn from our past, we will feel the pain in our future. Just like Samson, we could be people who, how in the world are they not learning from what they are living I mean, we look at the story of Samson and we say, you know what? I would have learned so much quicker than him. You know, it would have been day two that she said, how can I subdue you? And I would have been out of there. <laughs> I wish our lives showed that to be true. Because so many of us, myself included, fail to learn from the past quickly enough. And here's why we must learn quickly from our past. The first one is this. Your past shows your patterns. Have you ever thought about what problems you're facing today because you're repeating the patterns of the past? Samson had a, a nagging woman looking to kill him and defeat him and subdue him and get rich on him. And it never clicked that this problem is because of the pattern of my past. I've got this overconfidence in myself. I got a thing for the ladies. And I've got, I've got this, this manipulation that, that I can be tricked. He never learned. What problems are you facing today because of the pattern of your past? That's, a, that's something to think about and chew on. If you're in a small group, that's something you should talk about this week with your small group. The second, your past will be repeated if it's not defeated. And the reason we must learn from the past, both the good and the bad, is that our 
past will be repeated. The negative things that we've done in the past will be repeated if they're not defeated. We must come to a point that Samson never reached where we look and we say, I will have victory over my past because I'm learning from my mistakes. Stats show that most marriages have one fight over and over and over and over again. In fact, like 72% of the fights in marriage are the same fight with a different face. What if you could learn how to deal with that one fight, that pattern of your past? What if you could learn to deal with that pattern of fight, that pattern of argument? Could you have more marital bliss if you could deal with that one thing? What about that pattern of choosing the wrong girl or guy when it comes to dating? You always pick the wrong one, and somehow it's their fault. How can you look at that pattern and say, I'm going to own my part? Because it will be repeated if it's not defeated. And the good news is this. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, Jesus has already defeated your past. This isn't about your willpower and your won't power. This is about you leaning into the strength of God and realizing who you are as a son or a daughter of the Most High. Jesus has already defeated your past. So as we look in the Bible, I just want to show you this very quickly in Galatians 2, verse 20. Listen to what the Bible says. It says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The picture is when Jesus was crucified, you died on the cross with him. He took your place. He was your substitute. He died for you. I have been crucified with Christ, so what? So the life I now live, <laughs> I live by Christ who lives in me. It's no longer Mike that lives. It's Jesus that lives in me. It's no longer you that live, but it's Jesus that lives in you. That's why your past has been defeated. You don't have to repeat it. As you look into your future, what's one place, one pattern, one habit that you need to look and say, I'm not going to repeat it? I meet with young couples who come from family trees that are, that are full of divorce, and they say, I'm not going to repeat it. I, I meet with people who have issues with alcoholism or drug abuse or codependency, and they look and they say, I'm not going to repeat it. What pattern of your past are you not going to repeat? Or what positive pattern of your past must you repeat? Because you want to live a life that honors God. As you think about dealing with your past, here's the last one. Dealing with your past starts today. As you look at people that have had victory over their past and are walking differently today, it's because they have come to a point where they said, no more. No more will we fight like that. No more will I drink like that. No more will I think like that. No more will this happen. No more will I choose like that. No more will I work like that. No more will I lie like that. No more will I be manipulated like that. No more will I think I'm strong like that. No more. 
no more. You see, I've been crucified with Christ. Therefore, I no longer live. But Christ lives in me. Keep reading Galatians 2.20. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Did you see what Galatians 2.20 said? It said, the life I now live. I live by faith in the one who loved me and gave himself up for me. It didn't say the life I will live, I live by faith. It doesn't say the life I used to live, I live by faith. It doesn't say the life I want to live, I live by faith. It says the life I now live, I live by faith. Friends, today is your day to defeat the pattern. Today is the day for you to say, I'm going to learn. I'm going to learn from my past so that I don't repeat it unless it's positive for me and honoring to God. Today is the day. Maybe that means today's the day where you look and say, hey, I'm breaking up with manipulative jerk. I'm breaking up with them. Maybe today's the day that you look and you say, I'm going to go get some help for my marriage. I'm going to go to counseling. I'm going to get some help. Maybe today's the day where you look and you say, I'm going to celebrate recovery because I need people to help me walk through my hurts and habits and hangups. I'm not doing this alone. Today is the day that I learn. And it's possible. Because the life you now live, you live by faith. And the one who loves you and gave himself up for you. Friends, Samson couldn't learn from his past. Will you? Samson repeated the patterns over and over and over again until it cost him everything. Will you learn before it costs you everything? Friends, as you look at your life, the good, the bad, and the ugly, I know this. I know that God can redeem even the worst, ugliest parts of our life and make them good. I wouldn't be asking you to make today your day to make change if I didn't know it personally worked for me. As I ask you to make change today in your relationships, make change today in your faith, make change today in your hope and confidence in the Lord, I'd ask you to make that change today, not only because the Bible says it, but because I can tell you it works. You don't have to repeat the patterns of your past. God can and does and will work in you even today. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the chance to open our Bibles and to learn from the story of Samson. And God, we're, we're, we're proud and judge him and go, how come he didn't learn? God, shine a light on our own lives. And God, help us to learn from our past. God, as we pray to you as believers in Jesus, may we know that the life we now live, we live by faith. We're not living by broken patterns of the past. We're living by faith. We're not stuck and doomed to repeat failures of previous generations. We live by faith. So God, help us to do that now. As you pray, church, maybe you just need to talk to God about some of the patterns that are concerning to you in your life. Maybe you need to pray to God about some patterns that you're proud of and say, God, help me to build my life on those things as I remove the things that are not good for me. If you've never believed in Christ, your step isn't just to do an inventory and to do a 
commitment to God, your step is to believe in the one who loves you and gave himself up for you. Your past has not been defeated until you believe in Jesus and find life. So I encourage you to consider that today. And if today's your day to believe, the Bible says that Jesus is Savior and Lord. And he asks you to, to just simply believe in him and to find life. If today's your day, let's mark it with a prayer. You can pray. Jesus, I believe. I believe that I'm a sinner who needs a Savior and that you are the Savior of the world. Thank you for coming for me, for dying in my place and being raised again from the dead. Today, I believe. Thank you for giving me life. 